You're listening to the BJJ Globetrotters Pirate Radio Podcast, brought to you from St. Bart in the French West Indies. We talk jiu-jitsu, traveling, and people who do things a bit different in life. I am your host, Christian Graugard. Hello and welcome back to the BJJ Globetrotters Pirate Radio Podcast. You might have thought that I've forgotten about you and stopped doing this project, but no, uh, I still love doing the podcast. I just kind of wait for the episodes to come to me. Um, always looking for stories, but I also don't want to compromise. Um, so, um, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, I'm looking back at the last episode and it was actually in June 2021. Uh, a little bit embarrassing, but... Um, yeah, I guess the pandemic kind of put a a damper on things a bit that there hasn't really been much adventure to talk about. Uh, and also, if people do something cool, I would like them to finish doing it before I talk to them about it. So um, it seems like it's just been recently that, that people have started uh, traveling extensively again and doing big ambitious trips. Um, but anyway, we're not in a rush. Uh, I just look back at the at the archive on our website bjjglobetrotters.com slash slash podcast and i realized that i've now been doing this podcast for five years um that's quite a long time um and again i'm not in a rush at all no hurry to come up with new episodes once they're recorded they exist forever anyway so um yeah there's plenty of time to do this so what's been going on in the last year and a half Good question. Um, well, the camps are kind of back up and running. Um, we've been really busy. I've been doing a lot of camps. And um, this year has been the the busiest ever with 14 camps. I must say, I think it's been maybe a little bit too much for me physically and mentally. We, had, we did uh, six camps in two and a half months this summer. And uh, yeah, I was exhausted, to put it mildly. Um, yeah. So might try to tone it down a little bit next year. So when everybody asks me, what are the new camps that you're adding? Um, the real question to ask is, what are the camps that you take away? Because uh, I need to do a little bit less. So the, the goal for next year is 10, 11 camps, something like that. Um, right, let's get on with this episode. Um, there is a fun project of BJJ Globetrotters that is kind of invisible to me, and that's the mat surfing project. Uh, it was actually the very beginning of BJJ Globetrotters was the idea of creating a mat surfing project. The thing is that I don't ever really hear uh, from people using it because I have no way of doing that un unless I randomly just talk to someone who tells me about it. Um, but I ran into this guy who has been extensively using mat surfing to travel and I thought this would be a great comeback for the podcast. So I called him up. It took us like I don't know, six months, even a year to to get this this one done uh, because we just kept like not finding time for it. Um, but anyway, uh, here's the interview. I hope you enjoy it. And um, yeah, it's a really, really fun story that uh, that honestly um, made me feel a little bit of that travel bus. I was genuinely um, jealous when I when I heard his story and I really felt like oh 
oh, I miss being on the road like that, just backpacking and change of scenery all the time. Um, so it was really cool to to kind of um, live out that experience through his story. And uh, here we go. I'll just play it right now. This is uh, David from Canada telling about his experiences with the Matt Surfing Network. Hello, David. We tried to do this. Uh, this <laughs> We talked about doing this for a while. Huh? It's been like... Six, yeah, six months or <laughs> six months or something. Yeah. Well, we have a little bit of time difference. Uh, could you tell the listeners where you are? Uh, I'm in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. Yeah, we're on Pacific time, Pacific Standard Time. And uh, I, I wasn't clear exactly where St. Bart's was and uh, made a few mistakes, which contributed to it taking this long, but figured it out. Uh, no worries. No worries. Here we are. And I'm in my living room. So there's that. Um, now, um, I didn't really prepare much or anything, but, uh, let's, let's see how this one goes. It's been a while since I did these, uh, uh, since I did the last podcast episode, but I kind of like that it's, it's a slow thing, you know, that the episodes kind of come to me in a sense. Um, so, um, basically we talked about that you had been doing a trip around Europe, which is, uh, nothing special in itself, but... The fun thing was that you had done this uh, pretty much, if I'm if I'm right, uh, purely through the mat surfing um, thing that that we've we've set up the mat surfing service. Uh, can can you tell just really quickly, just just br- briefly first, uh, when did you do it and and how long did you travel for? Um, I traveled from February fourteenth until May. Uh, 29th, I think I was I was back home, and uh, oh no, it was early uh, till the uh, 25th, I believe. Yeah, so it's like a good three months or something. Yeah, yeah, three months plus a little bit. Um, some of the last like the last couple of weeks, I was staying mostly with family in Denmark, but uh, but prior to that, it was uh, entirely through uh, hosts uh, through mat surfing, which was awesome. I'd spent years kind of looking at the map and wondering and planning and dreaming and uh then just decided to pull the trigger send a lot of emails and it was it was incredible how things just came together right um yeah i'm excited to hear about the trip um so uh, do you want to just quickly introduce yourself i mean you're you have a very danish name which i'm still going to try to say i'm not sure if i'm going to say it in a danish accent but you are in canada so could you please just quickly introduce yourself to the to the listeners Sure. My name is David Brun. Uh, I've been training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu 14 years or so. I live in Canada, uh, as I said earlier. Um, I train with uh, the DeGroote brothers at Van Isle Jiu-Jitsu in Esquimalt, which is a small little section of town over the bridge from Victoria, where I live. And I think it's still considered part of Victoria overall, though, greater Victoria. But yeah, uh, that's a little bit about me. I've worked as a butcher for a little bit over 10 years or so, uh, both at grocery stores and also at artisanal places, and uh, I've switched to go back to school to pick up a new trade in HVAC, and that's kind of where I'm at. And uh, I've been training jiu-jitsu whenever I can throughout the entire time, sometimes just a few days a week, sometimes as much as five or six days a week, but life has to allow it. Yeah, that's it. And um, and actually, the first time we, I think we really got to talk was... You're at the, I think the very first camp in Austria in the summer, was that 2019 or something? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that 20, sounds right. Before the pandemic, when we yeah. did the first summer Austria camp, and uh, 
uh, that week we came up with the idea to to end that camp uh, the last day with a with a sausage party <laughs> with basically yeah, a garden party fun. with uh, 200 sausages and you were so excited to be part of it because of uh you make sausages i guess or did <laughs> and uh, yeah. I, i remember we had a good chat there and um we talked about you were supposed to come back the next year but then pandemic happened and did did you plan this this euro trip uh for a while uh, was it postponed due to the pandemic or Uh, it was postponed due to the pandemic. I, I had such a great time at the, the Austria camp that I was uh, very keen on on trying to make that a yearly thing, and uh, and maybe add more camps and stuff. But uh, yeah, then traveling was more or less put on hold for a couple of years. And uh, each year, it seemed like in the summer, you know, it was getting better, and then the fall would come, and uh, and we would see that it, it was going to be another year yet. So, so it was as soon as. Uh, As soon as things started to open up in Europe, I I kind of felt like okay, it's now or never, and uh, that was kind of when I went on my most recent trip. Was uh, feeling optimistic at at kind of seeing that that things were going back to normal and training and traveling was possible again. Right, um, and just before we start talking about your trip in specific, um, for any listeners who don't know the mat surfing service, so I don't even know what to call it, mat surfing platform. Uh, You can find it on matsurfing.org uh, or also just go to the BGJ Globetrotters website and find it there. Um, basically, matsurfing is the, I would say, the original BGJ Globetrotters idea. Uh, because when I did my round-the-world trip in 2011, um, I did all this kind of manually in a sense. I, I had to email find people to stay with uh, uh, to host me and uh, find academies to to train in and um, I remember towards the end of my trip I actually remember exactly when it was I was I was in Brazil I was sitting in in the garden um, in the house we were staying at and um, and I was thinking this this was had been such a good trip uh, I had been on on the road there for like five months and definitely the The most valuable part for me of the entire trip was to meet locals and stay with locals, um, have them recommend me food, show me around, um, train with them, obviously, and kind of make local friends as compared to just being a regular tourist and, I don't know, stay in a hotel and go on guided group tours or something. And um, at that point, I really felt like this this has been such a valuable experience for me, and I wondered if... If I could kind of pass that on in some way to uh, to others, and um, and actually the very first, sorry, the very first idea that I ever had before BJJ Club Tours even existed was, <clears throat> I think when I was when I was sitting in that that garden there in Brazil, I was I was thinking maybe I could build like just couch surfing, but just for jujitsu, you know, because I've been using couch surfing a little bit on the trip, but I really liked to see if it, it was possible to do something in like a jiu-jitsu niche uh, so I I did register bjjglobetrotting.com um, and I remember I had someone draw a logo which was like some animals in geese standing on a globe <laughs> it was kind of, kind of weird I'm pretty sure I can find that actually um, and I started a little bit you know with my with my I used to be a software developer so I started a little bit building on this, but it just it was just too much work, I think, and it didn't really work out. And then then kind of BJJ Globetrotters turned into something else. But the original idea with BJJ Globetrotters was BJJGlobetrotting.com, which was basically mat surfing uh, with a different name. Um, and um, 
and the idea was to to make it easier for people to find uh, kind of like-minded jujitsu people they could visit and stay with and, and train with. Um, the idea died out, Globetrotters became something else, but I remember uh, it took a few years, I think, before I kind of picked up that idea again of, of, <clears throat> of doing something like a directory of, of hosts or something around the world. And, and um, it was too much work to build an actual website, like an actual kind of service that could do it. And uh, and that's when I came up with the idea of doing it like because because I maybe also romanticized a little bit newsletters, email newsletters in in the old days where you it was a little bit almost analog in a sense you got like a weekly or monthly newsletter with something cool in it, um, mm-hmm. and um, and I might have romanticized that a little bit because everything like the internet developed so quickly, and um, and I think I was thinking it could be cool to make make that service but in a very extremely simple way basically people sign up they say okay i can host a traveler and then i collect it all in an email and then i send it out to everyone um once a month uh, so people you kind of have to wait for it a little bit it's not instant it's almost like a postcard you know it's not like you can just it's not like it's 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 the equivalent of a postcard versus a text message like an instant message you know you have to wait for for a month to get the new list of who are hosting people around the world this month you know I kind of like that that aspect of it to make it a little um, simple and force people to uh, force force it to be slow in a sense, um, <clears throat> because with instant gratification culture, I think we can miss out on a lot of things. Uh, but slow things like postcards, handwritten letters, and email newsletters once a month with travel offers, I think that could be cool. So actually, we've been running that for. I don't know how long. Must be many, many years. Uh, approximately once a month, when we have enough hosts, we'll make a newsletter, and then we put them on a map on the website as well. And that's where you come into the picture, because the funny thing is that I've sent out so many of these, but I never see the other side of it. I never see the result, in a sense. You know, uh, I, ne- I never see when people actually use it. Like, like rare, now and then at a camp, someone said, "Hey, I, I stayed with these uh, <laughs> these people mat surfing." Uh, and it was great. I was like, "What? Wait! I never heard about it." Or, uh, or other people tell me, "Oh, the last eight years, I've hosted a hundred people through mat surfing, and I have no idea." And I kind of like that, but uh, but it also that's that's the, the the kind of the backside of the medal for me of doing it this way is that I don't see the connections. I cannot go into lock into some system and see, "Oh, these people stayed with these and these areas more traveled." It's completely analog, simple. It might as well have been a written letter. I send you a letter in your mailbox with travel offers and I'll never find out if you use them. But that's kind of where you come into the picture because suddenly someone shows up at a camp, which is you, and you say, oh, I've just been match surfing, uh, traveling purely through match surfing for three months around Europe. I think I could have gone longer too. I would have had to budget a little bit more because uh, the, the flights and the train tickets are what get you. But uh, in terms of like, finding hosts you've really perfectly decentralized it made it easy for anyone to use all i had to do was glance at the map click on every uh, marker that was a place that i might like to go and then send an email to that email address i, I would just uh, more or less write a kind of general email introducing myself might be kind of what i was doing you know traveling around and stuff a little bit about myself i'd throw in an offer to cook people a steak Hopefully I don't offend any vegans or vegetarians, but uh, it seemed uh, like that that went on over pretty well with most of my hosts. And uh, yeah, and and uh, 
the um yeah yeah that was the idea and, and the funny thing is that when suddenly i hear about someone using it and i have no idea if a thousand people are using it or nobody's using it so i was really curious when you said you you travel with it so 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 let's get to your trip that was kind of the backstory of of that that platform it's not even a platform it's a monthly letter that's it um do you want to tell really quickly um like okay so we have the mat surfing thing on the website there is a map right now with with like little pins and also there's a monthly newsletter um but how did you you, you touched it quickly what are the practicalities of like finding places to go for you on a trip like that um, so for me, I, I wanted to try to make it a more or less linear kind of uh, line of direction without a lot of doubling back because that would theoretically save me on, on the travel cost of, of tickets and things like that. Um, I was trying to do all of this on a budget of about 5,000 Canadian dollars for the three months, which I achieved. Uh, and uh, I was v- everywhere I went incredibly blown away by the generosity of, uh, of the hosts. Uh, it's, it's a really good network. People sort of self-select if they want to be that kind of host and have people come over. And if they don't, they just don't have to respond or they uh, remove themselves off, off the list. And that's that. Maybe but, we should uh, just really quickly mention uh, if for people to sign up for this, they basically, the rules are really simple. If you can host someone in your home and on your mats and there are no money involved, you can be listed on the mat surfing service. That's pretty much it. Eh? Like they're not yeah. allowed to, to take a mat fee or like uh, rent out an apartment for you. It has to be free. Yeah, they have to offer a place to sleep and a place to train. That's it. Okay, sorry, I'll stop talking. Yeah, now. yeah, and uh, and that was that was for sure the the case everywhere I stopped. Um, and uh, on top of that, a lot of people offered above and beyond that. Like like uh, I I truly cannot recommend this highly enough for anyone who who wants to go and experience things as close to as close to you did through all the legwork you did uh, uh, when you struck out first to just travel around and and stay with people and train. Um, I being, being kind of a shy person myself, I, I take a little bit to, to warm up and get going. Uh, this was a great way for me to break ice and to immediately connect with the, the local culture and, and the people and the training, uh, and not be a stranger, at least not be that much of a stranger. Obviously you, you meet someone for the first time, you're a stranger, but, uh, having exchanged some words, having sort of this under this mutual understanding that like. They, they want a guest to come and stay and enjoy a bit of their culture and to meet them and also uh, to, you know, to train and to, to meet their school and their school culture and all of that. Like as a, as someone who mostly trained in just one, uh, I think two clubs uh, my whole life, I got to experience uh, like, I think 21, more than 21, actually, if I include all the open mats and extras, like, like so many different clubs and places and, uh, and just soak that up and, and enjoy the, the differences and, and kind of wonder about them. It was it was really cool. I can rattle off uh, where I've been really quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's let's get a quick because I have it listed here. But but let's hear from you. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I started off in the UK in uh, Peterhead, Scotland, and uh, stayed with my host Vad and uh, his head coach Marcus and uh, one of the other killers there, Tristram, who also hosted me in his place in Aberdeen. We had some great training uh, and. Uh, I don't know how much time I want to spend on each place because, like I said, there's there's 21 of them written down there. But uh, yeah, shout, shout out especially to Tristam. You're you're an absolute beast, and it was uh, very fun and, and very awesome to hang out with you guys. Uh, I I then went to uh, Reading, England. I had a, I had a little bit of trouble with kind of my planning and stuff in my UK trip, so I didn't manage to 
get to as many places there as I wanted to, but I'm looking forward to visiting again. UK was was wonderful. Uh, in in uh, Reading, I was hosted by Alex, and uh, we only got one night due to the way that the traveling kind of time worked out that we could train, but we uh, I did a Dars class for his club at the local community center. And uh, funny enough, he wasn't into Darses before. I love Darses. I think it was like the first submission I really fell in love with, and uh, I managed to pass a little bit of that on, and then Alex was messaging me a little bit later that he'd call one, so I felt good. Uh, next up was uh, Paros, Greece. That was absolutely wonderful as, as a you know Canadian coming out of admittedly mild Victoria weather, but still cold and dreary. It was wonderful to go to Greece, and even though it's like late February, it's sunny and beautiful. Everything is just spectacular and also kind of wide open like you can you can see pretty far you can see across the sea to some of the other islets it was just visually spectacular and on top of that the the hosts in the mediterranean are just the best they they are so generous and uh and so welcoming uh, i contacted milos who's the owner and head coach at fit and fight and uh he connected me with a student of his aris who had a villa that he normally rents out but at the time wasn't so i got to stay in that and the uh, kind of the countryside, about a almost an hour walk to uh, to the center of the city, but uh, it was a very nice walk. I enjoyed every day. Um, I also went uh, to an open mat at one of the other places there uh, on Paros, uh, Marcelo Alonso BJJ, and uh, yeah, in general, in Greece, the food is incredible. The seafood, especially out on the islands, uh, we enjoyed dining at this place, Pinnacles, all the time. It was it was just the best. Cannot recommend it enough. And I'm going to sound like I'm repeating myself, but the same goes for, for Sicily, which was the next place I went. Uh, yeah, I'm going through your notes, and there's a lot about food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a bit of a foodie, as, as cringe as the term is. No, I mean, but, it's, uh, it's, it's one of the, the really nice things about traveling, too. So. Yeah, and it's the way I love to experience culture, too. People really put a lot of heart into their, into their food in different places, and it, uh, it's interesting to kind of get that perspective. Italy, especially, like uh, the food is great everywhere. They won't tolerate bad food in Italy, which is something I love. But every little locale and region has the best thing that they make, and they make their own way. And it is it is so true everywhere you go. It's it's incredible. Mm. I remember uh, on my own I, trip that I that I I didn't once in five months pick my own food when I went out to eat or any anywhere. I always had locals pick food for me. That was really valuable I've, I've done that ever since actually i never pick my own food when i go out yeah there's lots of that i i tried not to put on too much weight in italy but that that was a failure i, I think i put on about 10 pounds when i was there um yeah i started in uh, in messina uh sicily i was hosted by enrique the, the super host um he's, oh yeah uh, he's hosted a lot of people i think eh? he has and, and he's and, been going and, to the but, camps for 10 years so he knows a lot and, i think he was one but, of the first ones to sign up i'm sure yeah, like, and, and let me say, like that, that was such a such a treat. Like, it's already incredible to be able to travel and and just be able to stay someplace and train someplace and not have to pay. That already makes it worth it and awesome. But like that above and beyond that that Mediterranean hospitality, uh, I think uh, Enrique really e- exemplified that. It was awesome to to stay at his place and to he took me around a whole bunch of different uh, clubs to train, connected with with a bunch of people because my goal was kind of to try to train every day or every day that I didn't have to take a recovery day. So, uh, so he was able to help me make that happen. And, uh, on top of that, like just the first night we landed, it was a costume party. It was a great way to get introduced to everybody. Uh, got to try a, a spread of some incredible appetizers. I 
yeah, I had a great time in, uh, in Messina. Also got down to Catania and uh, did a day trip there. Uh, shout out to Gianluca and Giuseppe for hosting me and showing me around. That was awesome. I uh, tried horse meat the first time down there. I have to say it tastes good, although I feel bad for the horse. Uh, yeah, can, can I recommend uh, Sicily enough? I also stopped off at Palermo and uh, was hosted by Ruben from Vanguard MMA there. Um, had a great time. Didn't manage to get as much training in there. I had to take a bit of recovery time and I had a little uh, medical issue I had to get sorted out. But uh, but that was uh, that more or less got taken. And we still still did manage to get some training in, which was which was awesome. He's got a, a great crew there. Very tough guys. Um, let's see. Oh, and uh, and in Palermo, it's uh, like anywhere in, in Italy. Sometimes the big cities are hard to get around. Like if you're in a vehicle, you can almost walk faster. But if you have a motorcycle and if you're willing to try to hang on to someone who's got a motorcycle you can get around pretty quick and that's that's how we got around fearing for my life every time but but kind of having a thrill as well <laughs> that was good um last stop in italy for me was uh, sardinia i went to oristano was hosted by amir um he trains uh, and is the head coach for bjj sardis out of oristano that's where um, we actually did amir was uh, helped me do um the one and only Sardinia camp we ever did in 2017, 16 or something. Super fun. But it was a one-off, yeah. but I uh, hope he's doing well. Yeah, he's, he seems like he's doing well. He's got a brown belt now. He's got a, he's got his team there. He's uh, getting out and uh, competing again, I think, who we were talking last time we were there. Uh, great time, great time staying with him. Uh, and I, I can't, uh, for Sardinia, especially if you rent a car there, which, which I did, I cannot recommend just driving around and enjoying the scenery there. Like, uh, you have, you have everything, you have mountains, you have white sand beaches, you have forests. Uh, it could be, it could be Europe or it could be somewhere tropical. It's kind of hard to, hard to say as you drive around because it keeps changing. It's, uh, incredible. And they, they have a beer scene over in, in, uh, Sardinia, or at least in Oristano, there's, a there's a great place, uh, that I, I cannot pronounce the name of, so I, I won't embarrass myself here, but, uh, uh, Rennie from uh, from Sus Mazonas, he uh, it ha is also a bartender. So if you if you know him, he'll he'll direct you to good beer. And I think especially one of those things with traveling and then uh, through jujitsu is that one thing is that you might be able to stay with someone and meet them, but if you train in an academy, you suddenly have a local network of who knows how many people, and often it's people who work interesting places to visit or let's say a bartender like that and. I experienced that all the time when I was traveling. There's always someone in the gym. Oh, by the way, I, I have a restaurant or I work in this place or let me take you here and there. So, Yeah, every every club is a, is an incredible little kind of social circle that will bring in people from all walks of life. It's a, It was really cool to be able to dip my toe into that each time. You're, you're totally right that everywhere I went, there was always like interesting people who trained there who if there's anything that you, you needed help with, they could they could probably help you out or, or find someone who could. Mm. So then you went on to Slovenia, right? Yes, uh, Slovenia. That was, uh, see, I, I was hosted by uh, Tassos at uh, MMA Koper. Uh, Koper is a, a little city on, on the coast there. It used to be called uh, Kapodistria. Um, Slovenia, see, they, uh, that was kind of a, a slower time for me, I think. Uh, we trained three times a week. Tassos had, had a broken leg, so he wasn't able to, to roll or do too much, but he let me uh, teach some classes and uh, got to know his students, to had a little barbecue and uh, 
yeah, loved loved uh, Slovenia. Great hospitality, seafood. Uh, it was an, spectacular. And I was lucky. I got there when the when the weather was really nice. It was March, and there was like 22 degrees Celsius with sunshine all day. Got a little cold at night, but it wasn't that bad. Yeah. And then I got I went to Munich after that, and uh, and immediately was met by snow. <laughs> right. right. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I nice think I think there. the 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 um, the what what what's the word I'm looking for contrast is the is the essence of travel right so i i always found that when i have those travel experiences let's say when you go from 22 degrees sunshine which is warm uh, 22 celsius and then directly to snow i I always find that is like something special to experience yeah it was it was incredible it definitely made me feel too like i was i was really kind of leaping from place to place even even though geographically actually uh slovenia and, and munich aren't that far away i took a bus when and like about six hours and uh, and got from place to place. Cheapest way to travel too, I found out was was by bus. If you can find uh, any kind of flix bus or something like that and then book ahead of time, you'll save way more money and sometimes get there as fast as you would on a plane with all the waiting and stopping. Um, so let's see, Munich, I uh, stayed with uh, Alex and Lorian from Team Lorian Alex. Uh, taught a few classes, so I was only there for a couple nights, but uh, enjoyed some good rounds with Alex and, and uh, with the teammates there. Lorian was was a little bit injured, so she wasn't uh, doing any hard rolling or anything like that. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was great to chat with them. They had uh, they have a really cool perspective on on teaching and on coaching. They they really invest a lot of their time uh, not just in, in you know researching and, and putting together good technique and lesson plans, but in the the art of coaching and providing what what their students really need. Uh, highly suggest following them on on Instagram if you're interested in that. Uh, they also introduced me to two of my favorite Bavarian cuisine dishes. I, I really love German food, and uh, Kaiserschwein is is probably my my favorite German dessert now. Uh, although it's also pretty much a meal. Kartoffel um, noodle also just absolutely love those with this uh, dark gravy that were served with. They, I I can't recommend uh, German food in general enough. Bavarian food especially. Lieberkäse also is is just the best with with the chilies and with the, the cheese. Incredible. Um, in Germany, I went to a lot of different places. I'll kind of rattle them off maybe a little quicker than I have been, but uh, went to uh, Ebensfeld uh, for a night, very small town. I was hosted by Martin, Martin Page. Uh, he's got a, he had a cool little home dojo, a bunch of like medieval joustings or not, not jousting, but like uh, sword fighting stuff and armor as well. I think Very he, cool I think he was also age. one of the first ones to sign up for mat surfing actually, because he was at, yeah. the, at the, at the Sardinia camp back in the days. I remember. Yes. So, oh yeah. Yeah, please. Yeah. I had a great time and actually I managed to loop around. That was one of the times where I didn't go in a straight line on, on my journey or straight ish line. So I managed to actually come back and uh, spend a couple more nights in, in that region and train a bit more with him. He's a uh, head coach for high rollers jujitsu. Uh, let's see. Uh, also, the other people I stayed with were uh, Chrissy and Moritz, who live in Bamberg. I, I went and uh, and stopped by there. Um, one little highlight from that trip is I tried Metbrötchen, which is uh, for for Westerners a little bit tough to uh, to be okay with with eating because it's made out of raw pork, <laughs> but. Uh, I have to say it doesn't taste bad, and I'm still here. No, no parasites, as far as I can tell. So, I, I I can't not recommend it. But certainly, there are there are every place has its own way of doing it, and there are better and worse. <laughs> and uh, it might not be for you in general. But it was fun to try. Um, I also went to Zwickau. I uh, trained with the uh, team Mattenbrand, staying with uh, Elena and Ron. They're the uh, the uh, head coaches for Team Mattenbrand. 
did, went to an open mat with BJJ Kimnitz. Uh, Martin Page actually gave me a lift over there. Him and uh, JJ, uh, his, uh, one of his good friends, uh, Purple Belt trains with them. Uh, we all went and kind of stormed the, uh, the open mat there. Had a good time training. Very tough guys at uh, BJJ Chemnitz. Uh, absolutely got my butt kicked. Um, let's see. Well, you went to a lot of places around Germany. Huh? I, I'm just looking yeah. through your list here. All of them like two nights or two nights, two nights, two nights, five nights, Berlin. Yeah, Germany, funny enough, has a lot of hosts. And uh, most of them sort of, they, they want you to come. And uh, after a few nights, that's that's about the right amount of time. And you can be on your way. <laughs> that That's uh, totally fine because there's so many great places to visit. And they're all close together and easy to to get to. And, of course, that's not a rule. I'm, I'm sure that there are, there are hosts who would be happy to have you for a little bit longer. But that was kind of a trend I noticed was like, uh, you know, in in the in the Mediterranean, generally people didn't really care too much exactly how many nights you you were staying and stuff. You know when exactly you showed up or not. You're kind of on your own to get there. But you know once you're there, that you were welcome to stay. And in Germany, like they would often come and meet you, pick you up from the train or, or wherever it was that you're going. I'm generalizing, but but yeah, everything was much more managed. Yeah, well, I think uh, I I personally also always really enjoyed short visits. I mean, if two nights is perfect for me always, because I feel like then I'm never bored. You know, I, I have no memories of not having anything to do there. I, I really like just also the contrast, like the quickly changing scenes, new place, new place, new place. Uh, if, I, if I spend a week in a city, I, I'm going to spend two or three days not really knowing exactly what to do. So, oh, Fair. I find for me the the perfect number is something somewhere closer to four or five, just because uh, a, after that I, I will start to get a bit bored. But uh, before that, usually I'm if I leave earlier than that, I feel like oh I didn't didn't get a chance to get to know these people enough though, or I had some good roles but I didn't get to roll with everybody, or I tried one or two things but there's still more, so it leaves me wanting more. But maybe that's just an excuse to come back. Well, I guess it depends on personality as well, and maybe and maybe also it, it leaves me hanging with that like oh. I'm excited to see them again because we have something to catch up with in a sense, you know. I like the intensity yeah. of that. For sure. Um, I also went to uh, Bochum, Germany, up in the north, stayed with uh, with Sven at his apartment. Uh, he had a he had a, his birthday party, so I got to attend that as well, crammed a whole bunch of people into the, the building and had a great night of uh, games and uh, drinking and socializing. I uh, did a class for their local MMA gym. Um, you well, basically they, did I, I like part of class. You basically did like nine nine destinations in Germany in like t- not even two weeks or something. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of staying usually one night, two nights, and then traveling, and then uh, the same pattern. So that that seemed to be kind of how the the timing worked out best, where I could go to all the hosts who had responded and and said yes that I could come. Um, let's see. I start. I stopped in uh, Cologne as well. Stayed with uh, Jost. Trained at Game Theory Jiu-Jitsu with Sven Groten. Uh, bastard twisted me like three times in a row, but it was very fun. Uh, got to pick his brain a little bit afterwards. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I was introduced to Kolsch beer down in uh, in Cologne. Apparently, it is uh, you have to serve it in small glasses and drink it quickly or else it, it will go bad. It's something about Kolsch that like even as you pour it, if you wait, half an hour it's no good i don't know if that's just good marketing but uh, <laughs> they just it, they're just trying to get you drunk man <laughs> well they, you know they certainly are good at that yeah you have to and you have to signal to stop it's not you don't signal for more beer you put a coaster on top of your cup if you want them to not pour in it because then you physically prevent them i guess <laughs> but yeah it, very good time there i went to Mannheim, also along along the rhine uh really enjoyed the rhine river just the scenery and watching all the the boats and stuff go by 
Um, stayed with uh, Janos at his apartment and trained with Spiros and his team at SDS BJJ. Uh, the weather was spectacular in Mannheim, Germany then. And uh, I remember just enjoying the, the best walk and picnic along the Rhine. Uh, everything was blooming, lush and green. It really, really spectacular. Can't recommend uh, the Rhine in spring. Really, really nice. Uh, also maybe also the, coolest, the coolest city name. Mannheim, yeah. Home of man. It, it is a pretty cool city. You know, they're, they're the home of John Deere tractor, actually. I have a picture <laughs> well, it's a, of a, a home man, loaded so, with you know. tractors from end to end driving by. It's pretty crazy. I live in Mannheim. It's very yeah. descriptive. Okay. Um, I also went to uh, Emstec, stayed with uh, Lukas, and uh, one night also with his teammate, uh, Ike, who has the best nickname ever, Klein und Gemein, small and mean. <laughs> He's, he's mean and he's pretty tough. I wouldn't call him that small, though. <laughs> uh, enjoyed some very tough rounds there. I, I have to say, Lukash, uh, uh, his story kind of of how, because everybody's got a story of how they survived the pandemic if they're still open. And his story was was just incredible because he more or less worked 12-hour days doing privates and did everything it, it took and, and just kept on going in order to make sure that his place would stay open. And it's incredibly successful. And for a small town, like Emstek doesn't even have a, a train stop. It's that small of a town. He has all the best guys in that whole region surrounding uh, in Germany coming to train with him. His, his team were probably, I would say, one of the toughest teams that I, that I rolled with in terms of just how easily they could control, how, how inevitable their jiu-jitsu was, the power of all those guys. Just incredible. Very tough team. And uh, they had a, a very nice uh, Sunday open mat barbecue I got to attend afterwards as well. Uh, very, very good time staying there. Um, I stopped in Berlin a little bit longer than I initially intended, but uh, I, my, one of my other hosts, uh, due to uh, uh, personal circumstances, had to back out. So uh, Yogi Jack in uh, Berlin was very accommodating. D didn't mind me staying a few extra nights. I got to stay in a cool little uh, rooftop uh, kind of uh, guest room in their apartment. And Jack is, of course, uh, has been a yoga teacher at many, many camps. Yes. Yeah, I have a funny story about Jack, actually, uh, at Austin uh, Camp. Uh, we, we went swimming at one of the nearby uh, little pools fed from the, uh, the melting uh, glaciers in the mountains. It's uh, next to a, uh, a restaurant, and there were some swans. And for the most part, the swans kept to themselves and didn't really bother anybody. And, you know, people had their side, the swans had their side. And uh, Jack went in for a dip, not really close to any swans, but one kind of decided that its territory had shifted and now included the area poor Jack was trying to swim in. And it more or less went between him and the shore. And this is very cold water. Like, <laughs> like uh, you know, it's, it's not something you want to stay in for more than like five or 10 minutes. And, uh, and uh, it kept on heading him off every time he'd, he'd, he'd switch direction and try to go for one shore or another shore. And, and that swan was, was determined to not let him come anywhere near eventually he swam just straight towards the hotel which was kind of halfway across the lake and made it out and the swan didn't want to go where everybody else was kind of together but that, that was kind of funny it's, that sticks in my mind is that's yogi jack <laughs> getting harassed by the swan yeah they're, they're you shouldn't mess with those animals they're they're, they're oh, dangerous no, I, yeah this is its territory okay that's this is yours <laughs> Yeah, um, Berlin, of course, beautiful, incredible to explore. Lots of uh, historical buildings, uh, incredible architecture, places to check out. I went to Checkpoint Charlie, of course. You have to if you're a tourist. 
Um, they have very good food and, and generally the art scene in Berlin is, is spectacular and incredible as, as well. Um, if you're into art, you, you just have to look around and walk around, open your eyes and, and you're surrounded by it everywhere. People are putting something. It's, uh, it was a very incredible city to, to explore. Um, after Berlin, I went to Brussels, Belgium. Um, I stayed with, uh, uh my host Benjamin there. And uh, he, he had an apartment that we stayed in, made a bunch of home-cooked meals. It was very appreciated. Uh, we had a little bit of a language barrier. Uh, like, uh, and, and, of course, he, you know, when we're com communicating, he's kind of asking what languages I speak. And I, I mentioned like, French a little bit. And, well, my little bit of, of grade school Canadian uh, Quebecois French had to get me through uh, part, part of the conversation because uh, uh, we, we definitely had to had to kind of learn how to communicate with a mix. And as soon as we, we figured that out, that, okay, I just need to speak as much French as I can, then switch to English, and then he speaks as much English as he can, and then switches to Google Translate, <laughs> then, we'll, then we'll be able to get by. And, uh, and that, that, was, uh, that was very fun, hanging out in, in uh, Brussels. I, I did a lot in Brussels, actually. I, I did my first uh, time refereeing a BJJ tournament. They, uh, they were down a ref, needed a guy, so I jumped in, and that was pretty incredible. We did a, uh, I think it was... Uh, Osmosis was the name of the association. It was sort of a bunch of different local gyms pooling together to, to put on the tournament. Uh, it was a sub only, uh, all levels, submission, all submissions legal tournament. My first experience of that. So we had to keep a close eye on the white belts and make sure they didn't kill each other. Uh, we were kind of instructed to step in if, if it seemed like someone was doing anything involving you know, a neck crank or a spinal or like serious imminent injury. Even if the white belt doesn't want to tap, we're just going to step in and, and stop it. We think it's it's on, which I, I was glad because otherwise I was going to be pretty worried for them. Um, trained at Team Aorta BJJ. Very good guys there too. Very, very talented people. Uh, learned how to pay, play Majol, which is a, a game of tossing uh, weighted kind of washers towards a hole and uh, trying to land them in the hole but or near the hole. But the problem is each time you do it, the, the hole is on an incline so you can bump the ones you've already landed down and screw yourself. Very fun to play when you're drinking. I think that's kind of when, when me and Benjamin met, learned how to communicate properly was <laughs> playing that game. That was fun. And then you went to, uh, you went to Tallinn camp, yeah? Yeah, Tallinn camp. That was a wonderful time. Uh, I had an Airbnb nearby. I was a little bit late in uh, making the purchase for that one, so I wasn't able to get any of the... Uh, any of the shared rooms, which is always a fun experience to, to stay in and kind of spend the week with somebody who's training the camp. But still, I made lots of friends. Uh, the Airbnb was uh, very well priced. They had a wood fire sauna that I really enjoyed. And uh, man, I, I try to train, you know, you, you always want to train the entire time, but you have to you have to pick and choose eventually, at least once you're over 30, I think. And uh, yeah, I, I learned a lot. I got to role with uh, Preet Mickelson for the first time, who I'd been kind of following his work and practicing his uh, his defensive BJJ stuff for the past couple of years and uh, got to learn everything I was doing wrong. <laughs> also got to just experience trying to do anything to, to Preet. Like uh, I've rolled with people who are way better than me. I know what it feels like to be made to feel like a white belt, even if you've been training forever. But with Preet, it's more like I couldn't get a single grip on him. And you can't do anything if you can't get that first grip. <laughs> like there, you know, I could I could float around, but I couldn't get any good position or any good grip, and that just for me was uh, was inspiring to to double down and keep working on the defensive jiu-jitsu. Um, and then you yeah, moved to Denmark. Was your last was your last uh, stop on the trip? Last stop, yeah, 
yeah, I, uh, I trained uh, just a couple places, uh, uh, mat surfing there. And then uh, when I was in Copenhagen, I had family there I could stay with. So I, I sort of just visited other clubs and stuff in the area that I had trained with uh, in the past. Because being from Denmark, I've gone back to visit many times. And uh, last time I visited, I, I trained at CSA and uh, made a bunch of great friends there. Who Most of them have gone to CM now, but I still visit them. Uh, Axel, Morton, Talon, Mark, Tor, many more as well. Um, in uh, the place I stopped mat surfing uh, in Copenhagen, uh, Morton had just put himself up uh, at, from uh, McKenta BJJ. So I went and I stayed uh, a couple nights uh, with them, got some training in, got a got a Durham after training. Uh, another little thing I discovered: everywhere in Europe you go, you can find a Durham wrap, and it will be good. <laughs> yeah. Cool. For after training, it's like the perfect post-training meal. Yeah. So I made sure that that we went to, and got a Durham after training there. Uh, that was very fun. Morton's great. His team are, are, are very good. Uh, He's an old student of mine. Twenty years ago, he started training. Yeah. something like that. Didn't you? Uh, didn't you say you had your first MMA fight or something? Was that with him or no? No, no that was that was Sonny from. Oh, that was somebody Owens, else. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's who I, I mistook the two people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got to. I got to. I think have a have a quick role with him. He's very good. Yeah, he trains at Great Danes in uh, in Udense. Right, yeah, Sunny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's been at it for a yeah. while as well. So, yeah, well, I made friends with uh, Niklas and uh, Johnny. Uh, uh, Niklas from I think he he trains at uh, it teaches at Great Danes Fight Club. Uh, oh, yeah, he taught in uh, Tallinn camp. Yeah, taught at Tallinn camp. Yeah, so I, I made friends with them and his friend uh, Johnny, uh, one of the blue belts who was training with him, uh, let me stay at his apartment for the night, so I had a place to stay in Lunsa. Uh, yeah, it was a uh, very very fun training with them. Uh, very cool. Uh, Hanging out and exploring Odense as well. I had I had gone once to visit before, but mostly stayed just uh, just in one spot. So this time I, I kind of walked around and uh, saw a little bit more of it. It was uh, it was very fun. And in general, D- Denmark is a uh, is a great place to visit. I it's not that much more expensive than anywhere else in Europe. Uh, it has I think the most coastline just because of the how how many islands there are and how how the geography is. Like there's beaches everywhere. Everywhere is a beach. It's if you like beaches, go to Denmark and go in the summer, go in like July or August. And uh, and most of the time, even the ocean water is swimmable. Another thing that just doesn't happen where I live in, in Victoria, it's it's never swimmable in the ocean water, except if there's a sandbar in high summer and there's like a handful of regions that have that, like like a handful of beaches as opposed to everywhere. Yeah. But that's that's basically uh, was was my trip. Uh, three months of hopping around. Yeah, that was intense. Training. <laughs> It was it was a lot, yeah. uh, but man, it was fulfilling. And I have to say, after doing it, I've done traveling the other way, where you go and you just rent an Airbnb or a hotel and stay somewhere and you know look at what the tourist things are to do. And maybe you go and and like uh, call up a local gym and ask if you can stop in and train. It's not the same as this. I don't think I'm going to travel any other way if I can avoid it. This is the best way. Staying with with hosts, uh, meeting people, having that like that introduction to the culture. If if the reason you're traveling is is to is to find out about a place and to get to know people and get to, get to train in a new environment and you want to do it through a bunch of people who've self-selected to that they're they're into that you're not imposing on somebody or anything like that this is the way to do it. Yeah, I think that's that's really a key part of it. That whoever is listed there, they they do it because they actually really want you to come and visit. You know, no nobody would yeah. put their place up there if they didn't actually want visitors. So, of course, Absolutely. they can always they can always say no, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at at your at the list of your. I'm I'm jealous. It feels all completely like the trip I did back then. 
uh, for six months. But uh, the intensity, the many, many people, uh, just overwhelming amount of, of new people to meet and get to know. I, I think that's, yeah, that's a very valuable experience. So turning it back a little bit, why, why did you from the beginning choose to do this through mat surfing exclusively, basically? Um, well, because I could, <laughs> I, uh, if I, I, my plan was initially that if I, if I wound up in places where I, I couldn't find a host or say I went to Germany, I could only find one host. So, and they're only good for two nights, then maybe if I really wanted to still check out something, I would, uh, I would break my budget a little bit and, uh, buy an Airbnb. The only time I actually had to br break my budget a little bit and buy an Airbnb was in, I didn't plan, uh, the number of days in the month of March, right. Or something stupid like that. Like it, the, the only time was due to my own travel planning error. It was not at all because I couldn't find someone. Because the way I did it was I just emailed a lot of people ahead of time. And anytime, like, I think I had two hosts get back and, or maybe three hosts get back and have to, uh, have to cancel, but they gave me notice. And I just emailed everybody else explained, Hey, uh, one of my hosts had to back out and cancel. Is it possible I could stay an extra night or, you know, or, or switch the time that I'm coming to this time? And in, in all cases, it it, uh, it worked out. And I think the advantage also is the way that you have it it's set up where you have just a region that's populated with a whole bunch of pins. If if somebody in one spot can't host, there's somebody nearby who probably can. I would say that the rate of return on, on those pins in terms of like me just reaching out and them getting back to me and being able to host me was about 50% or so, which I think is pretty high. Because like not everyone checks their email, not everyone is necessarily still still current, uh, and not everyone, even if they are willing to host and current and check their email, necessarily can host you right then when you want to come. So so for me, this was easy. I just I just made sure that I took a kind of shotgun approach and and you know hit everybody in the whole region that I might want to go to. And if I got somebody who came back and said yes, then that was a, a spot on my map. Once I had enough people who said yes, I planned out a route, and and that was easy, and anybody could do that. I think also I, I do get messages now and then like, hey, I'm trying to contact this Matt Surfing host, but I don't get a reply. Uh, and people sometimes even get a little bit frustrated about it. But as you say, there can be many, many reasons why they don't get back to you. I mean, in general, if you email someone, there's, there's probably less than 50% chance that they reply anyway. So uh, yeah, so yeah it's, it's a little bit like it's a free offer. It's open, but it doesn't mean that they that they are kind of required to host you any time of the year any anyone who asks you know so no and and for me that's uh, as somebody who's considering and i think I, i'm gonna put myself up there and be a host i just have to make sure that my roommate is cool with it because we, we share the apartment but uh like if if you are going to consider being a host like it is voluntary and it is when it works for you and and for the person who's visiting like so if you if you don't want to be a host or if you just decide maybe that right now it doesn't work that well for you because of circumstances or whatever that you can, you don't have to, but a lot of the time, uh, like I, I would say four or five of my stops on my, out of my 21 that I did, the host that I emailed wasn't the host who actually hosted me. They just connected me with someone who did, which was fine. It was usually they, again, some sort of personal circumstance or something. And they, they weren't able to physically have me at their apartment but they could still have me at their gym and they had a whole gym full of people of which they were able to find someone who was willing to post for a few nights. So like the system really works well. I, I have to say, especially the decentralized aspect of it. The fact that you, you put yourself up there if you want to host and anybody who wants to travel just goes and emails and, uh, 
as long as you're not an axe murderer and as long as uh, you're able to, to communicate effectively and find the people who are able to host you, you can plan a trip. Do you have any like tips on in general about mat surfing or maybe in approaching hosts or? Um, well, one thing I kind of ran into was uh, I'm not that much up on, on social media. I uh, had a Facebook page that I had more or less stopped using. I didn't have an Instagram, um, didn't have WhatsApp. And uh, one thing that I kind of sensed that that seemed like it threw some hosts off was the fact that I didn't have an Instagram account. And uh, so I, I went and made one and uh, I, I went and made a WhatsApp thing. But I think that maybe a good thing to offer to do is just to have a quick video call. Because like a lot of time hosts, they just want to see your face and see that you're, you know, you are who you say you are. You are a real human being, not some bot or something, you know. And uh, if you do that, then then you sort of established a connection And uh, I think it's harder to do if you're just an email. So like I, I would usually include a little bit of contact info for me, for, for the host, in case they want to uh, talk to me or, or even just look me up. I would throw in my, my Facebook handle, my Instagram handle once I'd made an account and put some stuff up there and uh, just kind of make it easy for them to do their checking as well. Because that's kind of one thing I'd heard actually from chatting with some hosts, especially those who've been doing it for a while, is that you get all kinds of people visiting. And uh, like 99% of them are great. But once in a while, you get somebody who just wants to come party and more or less just use your, your home as home base for partying. And they don't really actually plan on training or on really being a, a great guest. And that's extremely rare. But it is kind of something that you might be able to filter out if you're able to just do a little bit of quick researching of, you know, of the person who's going to come and stay. So either way, there's, there's ways to mitigate and ways to address The, the challenges that might come up. And I don't really think that the way it's set up though, it's, it's very user-friendly. It's very easy. You just go to a website, look at a map and then take down some, some emails and then make a fire off a mass email. You're on your way. I guess you could maybe even include like a little, like list of references in a sense, like, by the way, I just stayed with these and these people before here are well, the emails. That's, that's, a, that's a good idea. If there was some way like uh, for hosts to, give a thumbs up or something yeah like but but i mean that's that's more programming that's more work so. exactly <laughs> then then immediately it becomes something that's too big and too complicated to make you know so yeah so that's that's I why it, it has to live like this organically and in a sense almost analog yeah and and there's nothing stopping hosts as well who want to sort of talk to each other independently of, of anything organized because all their emails are up there they a lot of them like they're mm. part of the globetrotter network they know each other anyways so It's. It, I don't think it would be that hard if you had. If you had a real problem, you. It would be easy to reach out to the other hosts and let them know. I think. Did you Did you stay with someone who who had been? No, this is just me being curious. Did you stay with people who generally had been hosting a lot of people before, or were you the first was, first guest many places? Or, um, I was the first guest. Uh, I would say at about half the places I went to, most of them. Uh, I would say maybe about a quarter of them had hosted a lot of people and about a quarter of them had hosted maybe a handful before. And then about half of the, yeah, the, the remaining half, I was the first uh, guest. That's pretty cool. I, I actually had no idea how much it was being used, but it seems like it's being, it, I guess it also depends on where you're hosting. Like if it's a popular area, I know I had a few people like in New York and stuff and they were just like, you have to have to remove me. I'm getting a hundred emails a day. can't reply. So Uh, so I guess that also plays in. Uh, so was it ever weird to stay in in other people's homes? I guess most people who travel; they're used to staying in hotels or whatever. So 
I was, I mean, I always really liked, I kind of liked when it was, when things are a little bit difficult traveling. I like to stay on a quirky old couch or something, you know, but how, <laughs> how, how, I like, I like the challenge of, of, of it being a little bit weird and a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, but uh, how was that for you staying in, in compl- constantly staying in other people's homes, basically? Not as weird as I thought it would be. Um, I would, I would say actually the, once you had, met them, you know, uh, shook hands, maybe had a meal and stuff, especially if you got to train that first night. Like I kind of have a, have an, an idea that once you rolled with someone, you're not strangers anymore. And I, I kind of feel like, uh, that sort of played itself out many times. Cause a lot of the time I would, I would end up attending a class and then spend the night. And, uh, th- yeah, there's just, a you do get to know someone a bit by, by rolling with them. So, uh, I, I think that that may have contributed somewhat, um, yeah. Uh, overall, though, it, it was it was a pretty comfortable experience everywhere I went. Uh, like, I think I only slept on the mats one place. And even then, like there was there was still additional like matting and stuff, and pillows and things uh, offered and provided and blankets like it was, you were not just literally sleeping stone cold on, on some mats. And uh, that was one location of all 21 that I went to. Everybody else had a couch or better. And in many cases, it was a guest bedroom with like a nice bed. So you could I mean, you you'd be you couldn't pay for something that good most of the time, maybe a, a fancy hotel, but like, uh, I, I've, I've gone to enough Airbnbs where I'm cramped into like a, a five foot tiny little frame and, and, you know, eight other people snoring away. Like this, this is a lot better. <laughs> this is a lot better in every metric. Did you ever, was there ever any, any point in the trip where you wanted to stop doing it where you kind of were tired of it or, uh, no, I, I think after about two months, I got a little bit of, uh, of homesickness, but I, I also knew that I'm out do having the time of my life doing what I what I've wanted to do for years. So I, I sort of uh, acknowledged it and then pushed it away and uh, continued to have a good time. And uh, when I got home, it felt great to come home, too. So overall, I think it was a it was a great trip in the future. I might just plan maybe a, a two months at a time kind of thing rather than three months. But uh, that's just for my own personal preference. Yeah, I guess that's very, that's very personal. Like, uh, I, I had that a few times when I had those long trips, but it was always kind of a bump on the road. I just had to get over and then, yeah, exactly. then, then I, then I got back into feeling completely at home, comfortable on some old hard couch, uh, somewhere I'd never been before. And I kind of like the, I kind of like the, the quirkiness of that. That's kind of I like when it's a little bit, a little bit uncomfortable because then, then it's a better story always, you know? If, uh, yes, if, if things are definitely. If, if things are too easy, there's you don't remember it that well. You know, it's it's got to be difficult yeah. in a sense. So, and in hindsight, anything that was difficult or unpleasant is kind of kind of fun, kind of like a like a good memory in a way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, if you you have to push yourself, you know the, and uh, and again, the essence of travel is is contrast. If you don't do something that's different, uh, like from your comfortable 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 home life then then if if you just go somewhere else and sit in a comfortable room and do comfortable easy things then i don't think you remember it that much so oh it's it's not the same going somewhere and sitting in a hotel room watching tv is not a vacation not to me for some people it is i guess but definitely not yeah. me either so I, I, when, when i hear about your trip I, I i i'm being almost like taken back to my own trip because it feels so much the same of going two days there meeting someone going out going landing somewhere going straight to a party or something it's uh i'm kind of jealous i should do it again if only i had time 
I travel too much too. I travel so much I have no time to go anywhere. So, um, so how would you? Uh, so would you recommend this? Uh, obviously, I think the answer is yes. But oh, how would, how would you recommend this for someone? And also for I mean, also for Americans, as you are North American, uh, who would like to visit Europe. Is is this a good way to do it and get around like uh, different cultures? And you said there was a little bit of language language barrier, but again, maybe yes. When, when it's when um, it's difficult, it's it's a story to tell. You know. It is, and you'll and you'll get by. We live in 2022. Everybody has Google Translate. It, it it'll be fine. Every, uh, there's a handful of places where it'll probably be good to have a phrase book or to uh, otherwise make sure that you're hanging out with a local, just so you don't get into any trouble and stuff. Uh, I was told in in Sicily that like there's some places you don't want to go at night, especially if you don't speak any Italian, because you you could get in some trouble. But uh, I didn't experience any of that myself. Um, most people in, in Italy, like if you have just a tiny bit of Italian, they will have a tiny bit of English and you have a phone with an internet connection, you'll be able to get by. It's uh, same in in Greece as well. Uh, like most people, actually I would say more people in Greece will speak English uh, just because they have more of a tourist trade there, at least where, where I was in Paris, almost everybody spoke some some English. Um, so if you're, if you're American, American traveling and you only speak English, you'll be all right as long as you have an internet connection or as long as you're, you know, sticking with your hosts and uh, and they'll they'll be able to connect you with people who speak enough English that you can get by and, and who can translate for you. That was also an experience I found is usually you, you're always hanging out with somebody who speaks a local language, so you'll do fine. Yeah, I think I think definitely the key is here is also that you hang out with locals. You know, you're kind of if you if you manage to to do that trip through the eyes of a local, then you know where to go, you know what food to pick, you know you know what, what are interesting things to experience. You have a kind of an entrance into uh, a local network uh, of experiences. Um, and I mean, I did my trip 2011. This, I, I think I had an iPhone one or two. There was no such thing as Google Translate back then. Uh, definitely no internet connection no. It, unless I had Wi-Fi. Well, you really did this on hard mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did it on hard mode. Exactly. No cheat codes. And uh, you know, I, I, I could get by with English. English and pointing anywhere in the world. You know, this, it's and the world is not yeah. a dangerous place. It, it is. It looks dangerous if you look at it on your. You sit at home and look at it on TV. But the, the world is full of, of nice, friendly people. You know, were were usually eager to uh, to also meet you, so that's been my experience. I've I've never felt in danger anywhere in the world, and I've been uh, looking like a tourist uh, in the middle of the night, pretty much in every corner of of the planet. So, so yeah. But the key is always be with some locals. They know exactly where to go, where not to go, what to do. That's fun. What's not fun? Yep. That's really the key. And and something like this is is uh, as I said was was my original idea of Globetrotters to build a network where people can get these experiences to see the world through locals and also through jujitsu because as you say the moment you kind of break that physical barrier it's it's just less awkward to sleep in a stranger's home you know so and i think also yeah. the um, another part of it which maybe we should should uh, close up the episode with is that that another i think of another great aspect of this match surfing thing which i i i kind of post the idea with this with it was that many people can't travel you know they cannot do what you just did for they can't just take three months out and travel like that uh or even a few weeks uh i just talked to someone who was who had been to a camp this summer and he said he hadn't been on a holiday in 18 years <laughs> so not everyone can travel but i think if uh, this might be a little way of 
instead, if you can't get out and see the world, um, if you are a mat surfing host, maybe the, the world can come to you in a sense, uh, because you can. Apparently, it's it sounds like uh, some places it's possible to host quite many people and have a lot of good experiences and meet some some interesting humans to train jujitsu with as well. So, absolutely. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, is there is there anything else you'd like to add about this? I just uh, just wanted to extend a, a, a big thank you uh, to all of my hosts who who had me. I really appreciate it. You helped a dream of mine come true, and it was it was an incredible three months. I I, I appreciate it very much. Can't thank you all enough. And we're all jealous for it. <laughs> I wish it was <laughs> me. I want to do it again now. Okay. Uh, all right. There. Thank you so much for coming on to the BGJ Globetrotters Pirate Radio Podcast. Uh, when will I see you again? Do you have anything lined up? Um, nothing solid. I'm starting apprenticeship in December, so I plan to put a lot of hours in just to get get ahead, figure out how how the trade is really done, and uh, right. getting good with my employer. But I'm hoping that uh, by summer I'll be able to go get to at least one camp, and uh, hopefully two. Well, but uh, it's it's hard to say until I've been doing it, because then I'll have more of a sense of how much free time I have, how much vacation time I'll be able to get, and when the busy times are, and everything like that. One day, one day we have we still have to do that idea of. Uh... You're making a, a, a custom camp sausages for the Austria sausage oh, I'm, I'm all over it. I'll, I'll do that. All I all I need is a is a sausage making machine, a grinder, and a connection to a local butcher who can provide me with the rest. We'll make it work. All right, all right. All right. Let's, let's end it with that. Thank you so much for for the chat and um, my pleasure. Yeah. See you around, buddy. Thank you. See okay. Bye bye. That was the story for this podcast. I hope you enjoyed that one. Um, yeah, I don't really have any other podcasts lined up, but I have a few ideas. Um, some people are traveling on incredibly uh, ambitious trips, and I would love to talk to them about it, but I need them to finish the trip first, which could take a while. So um, those are on my list. Uh, another thing that I have on my podcast idea list is that actually the 10-year anniversary of BJJ Club Charters is coming up. Um, I've been looking back through all my old stuff and uh, I realized that the first time I ever posted about uh, Globetrotters was January 11th, uh, 2013. Um, that's when I posted on my blog that uh, a fun little post saying, I have started a jiu-jitsu team. Um, and, uh, but before that, I'd, I'd spent some time on doing the logo. I found the old sketch of... Um, where I drew the sketch of the logo, the the round patch with the with the bus, um, but it's kind of funny to look through all, all that old stuff. And I realize it's ten year anniversary coming up, and uh, we've been thinking for a while about what can we do for ten year anniversary. It's kind of a big deal in a sense. And the main problem really is that how do you tell the story of what what happened uh, over the last ten years? It's basically impossible. Uh, because so many thousands of people have been involved in this and uh, so many little stories are are out there that we can't really... That I don't even know about what's been happening. Um, I think uh, the community has, has, has created a lot of memories and experiences for people. Uh, some of them are kind of uh, public, you could say, like exposed, so people read about it in a newsletter or stuff, but I'm sure there must be thousands of stories that nobody has ever heard about just like with david and the and the mat surfing trip um a story like that is super cool to hear but um 
you don't really hear it because because it's it's not told in a sense. So my thought was to let the community tell the story of BJJ Club Trotters, basically. Um, so I've set up a little site, a little page on the website called bjjclubtrotters.com slash 10, uh, one zero, uh, where I explain about this little idea. And the idea is that uh, you can basically send us anything, anything uh, you have or you would like to share from um, your experience with BJJ Club Trotters from your point of view. Um, so I would like the members to send us stories, written, even quotes, or they could be anything from one line to a novel. Basically send us anything you want. Uh, pictures, photos, your favorite moments. Uh, doesn't have to even come with any explanation or text. Uh, send us anything from your favorite trip where you met someone through the network, you used mat surfing, you were at a camp, you made some friends and you did something else outside of the camps or whatever um, basically anything that you have experienced uh, through BJJ Club Charters I would love to hear about it uh, you can also send us audio clips my idea is to um, maybe even put it together in a podcast episode it would be kind of fun if people could tell short stories uh, from their experiences with BJJ Club Charters and I could put that together as a podcast episode um, you can send everything by email I set up a little email address called 1010 at com. Just send it us any format, we'll handle it. Uh, alternatively, you can also, um, if you want to tell a story for the podcast, you can also record it as a voice message on WhatsApp and just send it directly to me. Uh, the number is plus 45-2972-5007. That's been my phone number for many, many, many years. Uh, so again, plus 45, country code for Denmark. 29725007. Um, send me voice messages there. I'll save them all. Uh, if it's a good story, it it'll might make it to the podcast. Uh, I think we could we could pull that off. So um, I have no idea. I have no idea if that's going to work or not. But uh, let's try to collect a lot of content and then just put it together in some way. Um, might be a podcast episode, might be a poster, as we did some years ago, where everybody sent pictures from their academies. That was kind of cool. Uh, feel free to send pictures from your affiliated academy, from training or group pictures or selfie or whatever. Uh, I'll try to put it all together in one way or another. Um, and then we'll see what comes out of that. And if you're listening to this episode after January, sometime January 2023, then probably already now you can figure out what we ended up doing with it. So, all right, that's it for for this round of podcast. Um, let's see if I can make a new episode in less than a year and a half. That would be great. Otherwise, of course, you can listen to all the old episodes on iTunes. What's it called? Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify Podcast, or just go to our website, bjjclubtrotters.com uh, slash podcast. The website is also where you can find out about everything else that goes on in BJJ Club Trotters. Uh, there is a lot. Um, hey, we released a movie. Did I talk about that last in the last podcast episode? I'm not sure. Oh, I probably did. I probably did. Well, you can watch the documentary about BJJ Club Trotters on YouTube. Just just search for the gentle art of travel. Um, 
I must have talked about that. I talk about that film all the time. <laughs> it was a big project. So, all right, I'm going to get back to uh, making lunch. So, uh, and um, I hope to hear from you on 1010 at bgjclubtartus.com or WhatsApp plus 45 2972 uh, Send me stories, pictures, audio, text, quotes, anything. And I'm very excited to see and hear and read about uh, stories from the community that I had no idea existed. So that's it. Uh, have a nice day and uh, hope to hear from you soon. <laughs>